Right, right, right. Was it was it was teenage uh, ninja mutant turtles? Yes, it was very splinter splinter vibes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was Master Splinter. Neither. Oh, I saw the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It was so shit. I haven't haven't seen anything since the like eighties or nineties ones. Whenever those were, that was my last experience with the the mutants. Wow, Joel. How you doing today, Joel? Yeah, good. Because I ain't really seen you in a long time. No, I'm I'm too much on the road, so too much going on. But we'll see each other tomorrow, good. so all good. Yeah, all we good. will, because we're um, going to Amsterdam, Sam. Yeah. Oh, fun. Yeah, I wish I could go. That's the, that's where we want to go next. I want to. I want to go. Nice. I was really bummed we couldn't go uh, go to the Amsterdam. But there's just too many. There's so many conferences. There's so many things to go to. It's impossible yeah. to go. We're doing Tokyo for Nostrasia. Nice. So we couldn't do. We couldn't go to London and Amsterdam and mm. Tokyo. That would be a little too ridiculous, right. you know. But um, b- before we maybe, so I just hit record. We usually do the thing like we, we, we record the ramblings and stuff and then in post I'll just see if it fits or not. But I felt cool. it was like a good vibe. Today on the show we are uh, back with another exciting guest and we've got Sam from the Lightning Store and Wave Lake with us. Sam, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good. Busy day, but good. That's, you're just saying you're day. in New York, right? So, yes. Um, What's what's the vibe going on behind you? Are you staying in some sort of um, I don't know dorm or are you in an apartment? What's going on? <laughs> this this is a this is a small a small office that I was lucky lucky enough to find um, because yeah it's very the as I can I'm sure you can imagine or have heard stories or have seen um, in your in your trips to New York apartments are very tiny mm. um, ours in particular is no joke like. I don't even I don't even know if it's 300 square feet. It's incredibly tiny for a family of three. Uh, so there's just nowhere to do anything. So at, at a certain point, I had to uh, when we were spending more time out here, and I would have to like work every day. I had to find a spot. So yeah, I have this really cool, really cool office in uh, Tribeca. That's really cool. I mean, some of that artwork on the wall is that anything inspired by yourself or? Yeah, I got a couple things. Yeah, I got some posters from like the band I was in years ago. So I got some of those. I just never knew where to hang them. So I just hung them here so that no one will ever see. Uh, I got a cool little one of my lightning store posters right there. Yeah. Maximalist headroom thing. A little, uh, what's that? Fiona Apple poster. I like Fiona Apple. She's great. Um, Yeah, my friend got me that for my birthday, I think, a long time ago. I don't know. I got a bunch of stuff. You know, you get a you get a big wall. You got to fill it up with with uh, with art. That's, That's right. true. Yeah, and it's especially nice if you've got dope ass stuff like your stuff in a lightning store. And I'm just like halfway glancing over to my laptop because it's filled with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight stickers, nine stickers at least. Oh, cool! So, oh man, yeah, you should see mine. It's got like a, I got <laughs> stickers on stickers. <laughs> it, uh, it Sab has some pretty cool stuff. I will definitely link um, his shops and everything he does in the description below um but what i'm interested in sam is a couple of things so first of all obviously your rabbit hole story we'll dive into that but then secondly also lightning and music um but yeah. i'll let it i let you choose how you want to start your bitcoin rabbit hole story how you got stuck and why you're still around okay uh yeah so actually it started with a friend of mine out here in new york actually um he, some people probably know him. His name is Jarmas. He goes by Muzz. He's around. He's, he does this lightning venture stuff now. He's just been kind of like a, a cartoon character in, in my life since I uh, like seventh grade. Um, 
but yeah, one, one of my oldest friends in the world and he, he got into, he got into Bitcoin, uh, pretty early in New York. He is right after he moved to New York and I don't know what he was doing. He was like, he's always doing all kinds of stuff, but there was a point where he somehow ended up, uh, running a bar in the Lower East Side. And I think there was a New York times article about Bitcoin. I want to say it was like 2012 or so. And it included him because somehow he had ended up having like the first or the second Bitcoin ATM in New York city, <laughs> uh, and just got kind of hooked up with that crew. So he started just getting really into it. Um, I think mostly from like an investment standpoint, I don't know if it was necessarily, you know, things have evolved quite a bit in the last 10 years, as you guys know. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just started talking to me about it and I was like, I don't know, it sounds kind of weird. And, um, I was in app, you know, I started, I started my first business in 2008, like kind of when like the whole world was, you know, financial world was kind of crumbling down and was just at that perfect age to be aware of it. Um, so I was looking into stuff too, you know, I was like listening to, I was, I would catch like Max Kaiser every once in a while or, um, you know, hear people, I used to listen to this show coast, coast to coast AM. It's like a, a cool, like late night show about aliens and weird shit. Um, and they would always advertise gold stuff and like, you know, the world's ending and everybody should buy gold. And so I was like, I, I was into that kind of stuff a little bit. So I was into the idea of Bitcoin. I mean, I remember there was a point where another friend of, of ours, another mutual friend in this, in this group, um, we were like, should we buy some Bitcoin? And I think it was like a dollar or something at that point. And, um, we went to the website and we got super sketched out. Even we we're like, well, we should just buy like 10 bucks or something. And we, even that we were like, is our credit card going to get stolen? Like we let's just not do it. And we didn't do it. Um, but anyway, fast forward a couple years, uh, the, the business that I mentioned that I started as a merchandise business. I work, I work with bands primarily. And, uh, I got an email that said, you can integrate Bitcoin. I think this was in like January, 2014 or something like you can integrate. Um, I think it was BitPay with Shopify it was the first integration. And I was like, all right, well, Jarmus has told me enough about this. It seems kind of cool. I don't really want to buy any. I'm sketched out by it, but I'll just turn this on. It's easy enough to just throw it on. If someone wants to, you know, use Bitcoin to buy a, a band t-shirt, that's cool, whatever. So I did that for a while and it, you know, I would see sometimes people would use it and be like, that's kind of cool. Um, sometimes people wouldn't, you know, you'd have, it would go through the phases that sort of correlated with what, whatever the market was doing from 2014 to 2017, where I just really didn't think about it at all. It was just there. It was just something that I had enabled and then just sort of forgotten about. Um, and then, you know, as many people did in 2017, 16, 2017, um, started becoming a little bit more aware of what is going on. I think, I mean, I think that was when Bitcoin really started kind of ripping. Um, it was the, you know, maybe I guess you call it like the second wave of the altcoin stuff where it was like XRP and Cardano. I mean, I don't even know what these things are anymore, but like red coin, you know, like all these things. And I started telling Jarmas, I was like, dude, you were right. Like you were totally right. I missed out. I'm going to start buying all these shit coins. And he's like, don't. And I was like, no, I'm going to, I think, I think I'm on to something here, you know, I think everybody was, or a lot of people, were. I don't want to, I don't want to say everybody was a lot of people were. Okay. Um, so 
you know, then I started actually really looking into it, like the fundamentals of it. This is a very similar story, a very similar path. I'm sure many people have said, described on this show, um, started going to a couple conferences and like, I was, I would help Jarma's. He, he did that unconfiscatable thing for a while. So I would go there and I would help with like merch stuff and just help him set up. Cause it was a real, uh, rinky dink operation as he would, as he would say. Um, so, you know, we would go in Vegas and like help set up. And then I'd hear some people talking about it, you know, like J Jack Mallers came, Adam back came one year, Max Kaiser obviously would show up and, and it was fun. We'd play poker to have like a poker tournament around it. Um, so yeah, just around that. And, and then like 2018 lightning comes into the picture. So that's when it, things really changed for me because I'm in e-commerce, I'm in music. I start, I, 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 I you know, my friend sends me a clip of Elizabeth Stark on like, you know, CN, CNBC or something talking about lightning. And I'm just like, what, what is this? This is cool. You know, this is, this is how I can, this actually makes a ton of sense to me, you know, cause also going through like the block wars and all that stuff, it's like, how does this scale? And then all of a sudden lightning rolls in and you're like, oh, this is, this is how it scales. Um, and it started making a lot more sense too with the e-commerce side for me, you know, being someone who's in that business. So I just, you know, I, I fired up a, uh, I bought a Casa lightning node. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing at all. I didn't know what a channel was. I didn't know what anything, I didn't know what liquidity was. There was an autopilot feature on it. So I just like turned it on and left it plugged in for two years. Um, and then, you know, fast forward a little bit, I guess like 2020, um, maybe early 2021, I started paying attention to, I got off Twitter for a while. I just couldn't handle it. It's like too much crazy stuff going on there. But then I started hearing about, uh, you know, other, other use cases for lightning. It went from being this, the reckless thing to being something that's actually has, um, a really solid use case in other, in other forms, not just as, not just, um, you know, as a second layer, but people are actually building really cool things here. And it, there's other opportunities here besides just having like a fast payment. You can stream payments. You can, um, there's just, there's, it's, it's working. Like there's liquidity on the network. You can actually use it. Payments aren't failing. Things are working. So then I really, really, really started like massively dorking out at that point. That's when I started the lightning store. When I realized that you could stream money, that was the sec that was, that was like kind of the end game over for me because then I, you know, I could see how I could connect it to the e-commerce and then I also could see how I could connect it to music. So I created the lightning store really with the sole of intention of just figuring out like meeting people who are into music in order to figure out how to integrate music into with lightning. Um, so all the shirt, that's why all the shirts are like rip, rip off, you know, punk shirts and stuff. It's like, I just figured if I found the people that liked obscure music, then they would probably be willing to have a conversation with me about how to get music on lightning and, and go through all that. So, um, that ended up working. I mean, I guess pat on the back, it was a good plan because not only did, I mean, it was just like a fun, a, it was sort of a fun thing to do, but a lot of that stuff ended up kind of taking off a little bit. And, um, and through that, I met a ton of really great people and had a lot of really cool conversations. And, um, I also did a thing called the lightning music store and the lightning music player really just to, to branch out into that world even further where I, when I discovered you could upload music on RSS and the podcasting 2.0 space and all that stuff around it. So, you know, really like 
this long drawn out story, it, it was a lot of years of just being open to the idea, then trying to play catch up, then discovering the fundamentals and then discovering the potential. And now it, it, you know, pretty fully encapsulates everything that I do every day now, because with lightning, with, I mean, lightning store is still just a fun thing, but, um, it's a really good bridge to a lot of companies out there that are, that are working on stuff and really cool communities. And then now with the wave Lake stuff, um, it's really sort of come full circle for me. I mean, it sounds like you've grown into the space and yes, your journey does sound quite familiar. Um, that a lot of people first have a touch point with Bitcoin and then they go away, maybe buy loads of shit coins and then realize the fundamentals, uh, because maybe something has shifted, um, in their life or something has come up that has sparked their interest or made them suspicious about some of the shit coinery that's going on that, you know, they can start then to sort of unpack how Bitcoin is most definitely different from all the other shit coins in existence. But then I think what really sort of, from what I'm hearing from you, Sam, is that the thing that really captivated you was the whole lightning project. It was, it was that sort of, um, that was the, the thing that really sort of scaled Bitcoin for you that could actually provide you with an opportunity to, um, you know, build something, um, that, you know, encapsulated your identity in some way with your interest in, in, in music and um, in other aspects of your life. Um, and it seems like you're very open to the idea of how Bitcoin can be used for streaming for yourself uh, when it comes to music. So can you talk, have you got any sort of plans or ideas of how you're going to integrate that into reality? And is there something already out there that we can talk about for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the first, the first, you know, I guess sort of like the first installment of streaming money I found through an app called Sphinx. Um, and then also through Breeze, the Breeze wallet, the Breeze wallet had a, a podcasting, I think it's still in there, had like, a, has a podcasting function. Yeah. And Sphinx was sort of like, it's kind of like Noster a little bit, you know, it's like an encrypted identity. Um, but they had these these, they were called try, I guess that's still around too. Although I haven't been able to get it to work in a while, but I still love Sphinx and the idea of it. But, um, yeah, that's what I made that lightning music player for podcast 2.0 player, like enabled players. And it was really just like a hack together, um, proof of concept, like, Hey, some podcasters are doing this that I, I saw podcasters do it. I, I heard, um, the dude from, from Sphinx, um, on, you know, TFTC or something, I think. And that, that, that was like the moment where I really was like, okay, this, this isn't just like before it was like, I understand the sound money thing. I understand the settlement layer. I understand being the, you know, from a savings perspective, a, a hedge against inflation and stuff, all that makes sense. But it was the, the use case, you know, of like, oh, I can see how this actually starts solving multiple multiple problems big and small and in and some really fun stuff stuff i actually like you know that can convince people like it's just a really good onboarding tool like what if there was a music player that could that could use this and you know artists could get on and start actually making money like that solves it a hundred year old problem of like artists getting screwed getting cut out of their own deals so i did that and you know, I was just like annoying people on Twitter, like, Hey, here's the, you know, just sort of hypothesizing ideas. And I would talk to Roy from, from, uh, breeze. And I talked to Oscar from fountain 
and you know, anybody like just any, like Evan from Zeus, like anybody who was like remotely interested in music would be like, let's do this. How do we do this? How do we make this, you know, like bring back the idea of peer to peer file sharing, but with, with uh, lightning transactions on it and, you know, find some way to do this. So in, in all that, this, this guy, Michael Ree started a thing called wave Lake. And I was actually, I think one of the first artists on it, because obviously it immediately someone's like, have you seen wave Lake? Like this dude's sort of doing what you want to do. And he had, uh, he had seen what I was throwing out there and he had, and he was having the exact same thought process. And he's like, Oh yeah, this seems like a really cool idea. Um, this dude's sort of, um, you know, throwing this concept out there, I'm going to actually build it. So he started building an early version, what we now call wave Lake alpha. It was just like an early concept of what, music on lightning might, might look like. And it was cool. It was like, it was, it was cool, you know, just sort of leave it at that. It was tough to use. It was, you had to connect it to a node. It, it still sort of had this, this paywall mentality around it. Like if you, you, you sort of buy like credits and that would unlock plays and stuff. So it was just an early version and it was, it was a great first step. Um, but as that evolved, that idea evolved and as other things started coming into play, and the more I talked to him, we just realized that, uh, we were super, super aligned in what we wanted to see happen. And I had a lot of really good ideas. I had a lot of, you know, I had, um, I'm not a developer, but you know, with, I have, I'm a, I'm a graphic designer. I'm a, I'm a musician myself and an artist myself and have just been doing that stuff my whole life. So I, I had a good, you know, I'm pretty good at marketing, <laughs> you know, being from being in, in punk bands and stuff and having to constantly just market myself being dropped from a major label in my early twenties and then having to go fully DIY for years and actually being successful at it. So I had a lot of really good experience there to bring to the table and he really wanted to see this happen. So, um, you know, about a year ago, actually probably this week we decided we were going to sort of revamp wave Lake, the idea, make it more of a distribution model. And we launched it in January of this year. Uh, so it's up now. Yeah. I mean, go to like wavelake.com. If you're a, a fan of music, you can just go listen to it. You can, it's a, it's a free open library. Uh, you can boost artists. It goes straight to them. We just enabled artist splits. So, you know, you can pay, um, multiple people in a single transaction. Um, if you're, if you're an artist, you can go there and upload, you can have a track uploaded in a matter of minutes, you know, and our, and start monetizing. It's really cool for music discovery. We have about 400 bands on there right now. Um, but yeah, it's great. I mean, we're rolling out a, an, an iOS app where it's in kind of beta test mode at the moment and it's happening. Like my, my dreams are coming true. Like this thing is actually happening. People are getting really excited about it. And I think it demonstrates one of the, um, aspects that a lot of, let's call them lightning critics, but I'll go into that. What I mean by that in a second that they go like, Oh, you know, it's just micro payment. It's just settling, uh, international payments and such. And you go like, well, Yes, and if your only experience is probably like Wallet of Satoshi or something like this, because to most Lightning critics, this is like, oh, you know, it's a centralized thing where actually you can do much more stuff with it. Um, and I've been I've been discovering a few artists on Wave, like where I go like, oh, cool, they have like cool beats, you know, and 
I might get shot in the knee now for this because I, I still check them out on Spotify because I listen to my music over there. But then sure. if I really like a track, I can always go back, send them sats, and it's just instantly and easily done um, from my browser. Or, you know, if you're on the go, you just quickly create an invoice. And I think these use cases are what really bring lightning into it. Um, but from what I understood correctly, so you were more the artist and you've realized what lightning can do. Have, since having you know been involved with Wavelike and these things, has your like technical interest peaked, or like have you, I don't know, sat down and learned how to do basic um, coding stuff? So is it still just like they do the tech side, you cover the music artist sites, or have you also noticed a change in your in your Lightning journey specifically there? Because it's yeah, still I mean, hard I to a, use. <laughs> yeah, I mean ha having to have always you know, sort of this DIY mentality. I actually taught myself how to code when I was 16 to do a, uh, or maybe I was even 15, like just basic HTML websites. Um, started out with, I did the like fan club website for the band Weezer because <laughs> they just, <laughs> they needed a website and I was like, I'll make you one. And it was just really fun. Uh, so that's how I learned how to do it. So, um, and you know, with my, my other company, hello, you know, there's a certain amount of, of coding that kind of has to be done just on a, but it's more like design based coding and I'm totally fumbling my way around through it. So I, I, I know I will never be an actual coder, but I do understand the fundamentals. So while it can be probably somewhat difficult to talk to me, if I'm trying to, um, explain something that would be fun to see happen, you know, typically it's more helpful for me to just mock it up in Photoshop or something and then send it over and be like, okay, I, I know we can technically do this just from the base level of knowledge that I have. Like I'm not presenting something that's impossible. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I've come to the conclusion now that like, I won't ever be, I've, I've had that thought, like maybe I should just like go take a coding, go to coding school for a couple of years, but it's just, it's not, it's not where I'm going to excel, you know, like I, I feel like I have too many, a, I already have like 2 billion things happening at any given time, but also I just don't think it's where I'm going to be most helpful. You know, it's, it's where, um, the thing would just would be distracting for me, but I'm very in interested, especially in the last three or four years and just sort of understanding how it works. You know, even if I can't physically do it, I still, I still understand I can, I can have a conversation. I could be on a panel about something, you know, and I'm also not afraid of sounding like an idiot. So, um, that helps too. Like if you can, you know, it can't, if you're scared of that, it can be really intimidating to be in a, a room full of coders when you don't know what you're talking about. But if you're just like, Hey, I'm really stupid. So I'm just going to ask this really dumb question. Um, is that cool? Then it just sort of, <laughs> you know, people become more helpful. Also just the lightning community in general, for the most part is very helpful, you know, and very happy and, and nice. I mean, you seem to very much come across as uh, someone who's very creative. So obviously you're, you're a musician, you're in a band, um, you've got lots of really cool designs um, and prints um, on your lightning store and stuff. So, you know, what the, the value you can bring um, by utilize the value you can bring into the space uh, by utilizing the lightning network is, is just testament as to how you don't need to specifically, you don't have to know everything, but you can contribute to the ecosystem and, and help it grow um, by putting the um, your sort of creativity out there and sending the message out there as well. And I'm just wondering whether you use your music in any way to educate people in, in Bitcoin or 
in the sort of fiat system in some way or is there some sort of underlying anarchy messages in in the things that you produce yeah so i've always been like a like a punk rock kid at heart you know and i i don't when i say that i don't mean like i wasn't like a crust punk or anything i just like punk music i like punk ethics and the the idea you know like i i grew up listening to pop punk so you know it's not like i was i was uh had like liberty spikes and a leather jacket or anything but i was just I went to punk I went to $5 punk shows in basements and VFW halls and that kind of stuff when I was a teenager, as soon as I had a car and I discovered community basically at that level, you know, and I, I discovered you would, you would go buy a, a CD at the record store and you would think that this band is like huge and has all this money because they have a CD and they're, they're touring and they're doing all these things. But then when you go see them at the $5 basement show, and they roll up in like a van that's falling apart and they haven't slept in like two days and they just need like, you know, 10 bucks to get a, <laughs> to get a meal somewhere. And they're sleeping on people's floors and couches. You realize like, um, a, I guess just the beauty of sort of being, you know, I, I use the word scrappy a lot in wave Lake, like the beauty of sort of being scrappy. Um, I've, that's, that's a trend with me. Like I, I don't ever like fully knowing how things work because I think, you know, I used to see that with musicians and, and friends of mine, like they would, they may, they may have like mastered their instrument, but like couldn't write a song, <laughs> you know, because they were just too focused on the technicalities of everything that they lost the creative, the creative vision behind a lot of things. So I've always embraced my limitations. Um, and I think that's why people like me and, and there's plenty of other people out there that, you know, this stuff started out like very nerdy, very technical, big ideas, like hard, hard pills to swallow. And then you start bringing in some creative, creative people and it mixes things up a bit. You know, it's, it's like, I never expected any, I mean, I think my like joke on my profile is like my demographic in the, you know, Bitcoin Twitter is like 28 people total. I never thought it would be, never thought there'd be so many descendants fans in like the Bitcoin space, you know, or something like that. But um, turns out there is because, you know, as this thing has grown and evolved, you're bringing like, and also it's embraced, um, you know, if, as long as people are embracing this idea of like community and culture, then um, it really pulls it out of that, like very straight, boring, technical speak into something that's really exciting and creative or like the conferences that I've gone to have gone from being very technical based to um, really fun, you know, like in implementing music, implementing other ideas, creative ideas, like getting into stuff like Nostr now, which is bridging the gap from, um, you know, traditional Bitcoin ideas to like real world social ideas or just, or micro apps and how these things all sort of will work together and how this will expand even further. So, um, yeah, it's important, you know, and I think that's, I, to answer, to, to maybe actually answer your question. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, everyone, everyone, all my friends in the normal space or whatever are, are aware that I'm doing this, but it's not anything that I'm really pushing. It's something that I just want to show, you know, over time. I think that's the, really the best way to do it because there's a lot of preconceived notions as to what you are, if you're a, you know, a Bitcoiner or whatever. And it's and a lot, a lot of those things I'm very much not, you know, I have I'm mm -hmm. my own person. I have my own opinions on a lot of things. I, I'm not like constantly posting pictures of of meat on Instagram. It's just not my thing, you know, whatever. It's cool. It's cool if it's somebody's, but it's just not me. Um, so, yeah. uh, you know, I just want to, I, I, I want to make, 
I'm trying to present things in a way that just feel, I I always hate saying normal or regular, but just feel sort of normal and regular and inviting to people, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that's, um, really important to, to have if we're expecting this thing to scale out into like the outside world and get out of this, this, you know, echo chamber or whatever you want to call it. Like if this thing's going to grow, it has to exist kind of like on all planes. So that's what I'm, I'm here to hopefully help in some way, you know, even if I play just a tiny part in that, that's, that's what I'm hoping to do. What you were saying about the, uh, punk rock scene and all that sort of stuff, you're, you're bringing me back to the time in the early nineties here in London, when I was going to sort of illegal raves and, uh, yeah, maybe taking a little bit, uh, too many sort of chemicals and, uh, just hanging out and vibing out and, um, the, the sense of community and belonging, um, was strong. And, yeah. um, it's good to be able to, to find your community and, and find your energy, um, within that and, and contribute in some way to that community. And I like the fact that obviously you've stuck, you, you seem to have stuck true to, um, your, uh, your artistic identity, if you like. Um, but you found, uh, this kind of niche, uh, growing opportunity for, um, fellow artists that are following behind you um, by sort of showcasing how the Nightly Network can benefit you as an individual and for people to actually um, contribute um, and thank you for the, the value that, that you bring within their lives. Maybe I'm just being too philosophical like always, Joel, in this, but I don't know if that resonates with you at all, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just, it, it, we have to prove that these things we have to, we can't just say this is a better, these are better systems or these are better ideas. You have to actually, you have to actually prove it. You know, you have to show people, um, and these things, I read a book a long time ago called the tipping point, you know, these things sort of, it's the gradually then suddenly idea or or slowly then suddenly or whatever, or you you know what I'm talking about, you know? Um, and that's how this is going to be, but it's like, we have to, I was just explaining, I guess the idea of wavelength to people, you know, it's like, I've seen, some, you know, maybe it's through NFTs or through other media based things that are trying to like rapidly onboard a, a, a wider audience to a crazy idea. And it's generally done so in the name for like, for the sake of like generating a bunch of money really fast. You know, that's really the, that's the pitch on, on most of those things. And those, th- those always obviously get rugged or there's some huge letdown mm. situation, which gives it a bad which gives like the concept of trying new things over time when that keeps happening, keeps happening. It gives all this stuff kind of a bad name. But if at the end of that rug pull, every cycle you see that, you know, that these people are still seem to be still be standing. Um, and every down market, they seem to still be building. And at the beginning, and then when the stuff starts all over again, those things are that much stronger. And I think people are starting to actually see that happen now after having lived through a few, at least a couple of these cycles where I was really paying attention, you know, like the 2017 and then this most recent round. Um, I'm really starting to see the difference on the other side of it, like in the bear market, how people are reacting to this. And they're starting to see like, oh yeah, maybe that, maybe this new thing that comes along is actually a scam. Maybe this thing that is still standing in the rubble at the end of this cycle is something I should be paying attention to. And if we're just building and, you know, making actual things that people are going to want to use, 
then I think ultimately they will come to us. And that's what, that's what we're trying to do with Wave Lake. Like I'm not trying to rapidly bring artists over. I'm just trying to build something that is going to actually work for them so that when they discover it, it will be, it'll, it'll happen, you know, it'll, it'll switch for them that much faster. And, you know, to, to somehow bring it back to your, you know, um, punk interest and things, I know we want to have as many people and as quickly on in Bitcoin as possible, because for a lot of people, at least from my experiences, you know, I want to help you get out of like the fiat mindset and, you know, the, the constant grind. Um, maybe you live in Argentina where your money just gets taken away by theft in form of inflation and all of these things. But then you, you sort of sit there and go like, well, yeah, OK, that's a small portion of the world. But what we're actually are, we're kind of a different culture, like a counterculture to what usual people do out there. Um and we should embrace this. So I, I kind of like it that if I go to um, Prague or now also in Riga, there was the um, Rokomoto concert thing organized by by um, Mas as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he, he sort of, I think in Riga was a bit semi-drunk. So maybe there was a bit of um, different thoughts involved there where he went like, you know, oh, I have this idea and I want to integrate Noster. And we also spoke about Wavelake. Um, but I think the more you have these kind of breadcrumbs, the more people will lead down uh, the Bitcoin uh, rabbit hole. And hey, if like an artist wants to break free from the tyranny that are music labels and stuff, and they discover it this way and they go like, okay, I can still pay my bills with like the regular money I make in, but you know, maybe I'll save, I don't know, 25% of my sets through my streams or whatever. This is how yeah. we're probably going to get there faster than just having 8 billion people at once and then shit breaks because nothing is ready really. Yeah. I mean, I think this is such a bigger conversation i'll try not to go on another huge ramble here but um the way that everything's currently set up it it there's no incentive to be creative or make anything cool like what's the mm. why would you you know like there's no it, the only reason you would do it is just because you're you have to you're compelled to you're an artist you feel like you have to do something you know um but then once you do it it's it's like almost impossible <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to do anything with it unless you've somehow managed to build up an audience through whatever. But even that it's like, okay, cool. You finally figured out how to, how to utilize one of these outlets, but then they, they switch something up and, you know, to, to lure you into having to do something else to like, kind of get you to fall in line with however the algorithms are going to work or whatever. Um, so what I really hope happens, I mean, this is like a big ask, but I think we're already seeing this happen a little bit with Wavelake is, you know, if like people are uploading their old projects to Wavelake and seeing people get excited about them and getting that instant feedback and getting that value, you know, the value, the whole idea of value for value and seeing that, and it's inspiring them to actually, you know, like dust off the guitar or whatever and write new songs and get stuff on. It's, it's inspiring me. I haven't put out any new music in a few years. And I was just telling someone the other day, like, I want to, you know, I, I can't wait to release new music on Wavelake instead of my old stuff. Um, and I think that that's going to happen, you know, like not only on with music, but with, with all these opportunities that are springing up with lightning and Noster and the Bitcoin space or whatever, it's going to, you know, a lot of people have talked about this idea of like a Renaissance 2.0. I don't know if it'll go that far. <laughs> that's, that's maybe a really big, big, big ask, but at the very least, I think it's going to incentivize people to want to create things again and give them a reason to create things again and give them a stronger connection with people instead of feeling like they're just put, you know, you pour your heart out into something and then you just throw it into this abyss of, of whatever, you know, and you just get no, um, you get no positive feedback or reinforcement. There's no way to 
really engage with people on any kind of deep level. So I think with what we're doing at Wave Lake and what, what I, I know is coming in some other, with some other apps, I think that's really going to incentivize that to happen. People are going to start not only doing things, I mean, they're going to start doing things just because it makes them feel something again, but then the money will be a bonus. It's like, oh, I can do this. I can engage. I can get positive reinforcement on what I'm doing and I can earn a living as an artist. Wow. Okay, cool. I'm wondering whether there's um, something um, connected to consumerism here in, in the fact that um, what mass consumerism has done in this kind of crony um, broken crony capitalism society that we, we might be in is the, the drive to sort of like sell products quick and then people having to sort of like almost sort of cut and paste um, what's popular and trying to sort of make it work by sort of chasing the money that's out there rather than actually thinking about what the value is in society, what value can we bring to the communities that we've got and for artists to actually sort of sit down and, and, and open up um, their curiosity and creativity again without sort of having to think about whether it's going to be popular enough to earn money for the sort of consumerist um existence that we're in or am I just sort of like um on a completely different wavelength to you now but um I'm just wondering whether that's got any sort of correlation to your creativity and other artists as well yeah we think about that a lot there's most I mean and this this is this kind of carries over to all audience any type of audience but most artists have like a very small niche group of super fans you know it's like if you have a million listeners a lot of those are just sort of passive listeners. They're just like passive fans. Like, Oh yeah, I like, like, do you like the spice girls? Oh yeah. Kind of, I guess, you know, that's, that's my favorite uh, reference right now. Um, but you know, you'll have like 10,000 super spice girls fans or whatever, 10,000 super Beatles fans or super, whatever, insert any band or yes, I really, I really admire this painter, but there's a bunch of people that will like always go to the galleries and always go to the shows and, and always, and like really support. There's probably a small, portion of people that are actually buying that art, um, for, from the artist or whatever. So this idea of, um, of, I, I think being able to, uh, empower that audience a bit more, you know, in a more substantial way in a, in a, in a financial way, like, I guess I'll, I'll stick to music. You know, it's like, if you're an artist, your super fan base is going to see you they're either buying a shirt or they're going to see you play. If you, if you tour, those are the way, those are kind of the ways they can do that. Um, if they're really diehard and maybe you have like a Patreon or something, you know, then, then they'll do that. And then there's like this subscription thing, this recurring, now they're a recurring supporter of you, but there's just so many things that come along with that, that are tough on the artist side. So like, while those are, and I work in merchandise, so I, you know, I, I love that you can, monetized through merchandise and stuff, but there's a lot of pressure there. There's a lot of overhead. There's a lot of overhead there. If you don't want to have the overhead, you have to sacrifice quality because you're doing like an on-demand service or something. And then you're selling them shit that like isn't actually up to the standards and you end up participating in that sort of watered down system where like everything sort of sucks so that we can just use it for a little bit to get the new thing. And I think this idea will sort of like re if if you're able to be supported with 
that small base in a completely different way now too. Like, you know, let's just call these levels level one. It should be the music. It should be whatever the, the main thing is. It's the music, it's the painting, it's the TV show, it's the play, it's the book, it's the, the whatever, you know, um, that's the first place that you should be able, and really, truly, if you want it to be, should be the only place, you know, if, if that's what you decide, like, I don't want to focus on merch and I don't want to have to have a monthly commitment to these 147 people that are like waiting for me to give them some kind of content in order to maintain this subscription with them. I don't want to have to do any of this stuff, especially as a creative person. When you're, I know that the worst, the worst time in my life is when I have to be creative on cue. It's impossible. Like you never know when things are going to hit you. You know, it's like, um, it, it might be two in the morning and that, and that's the great time, but it's not like, Oh, 10 in the morning on Saturday, I've designated this time to be creative. Like, good luck with that. I've tried to do that. It does, it does not work. Um, unless you get incredibly lucky. So I think, you know, having these outlets and as more will come, I think it will, it will, you know, like I already said, inspire people to work more. It, that, that'll just be, it's going to be like a snowball effect. You know, it's just, if, if you're, if pe more people are inspired, more people are going to create, if more people are creating and more fans are going to engage, the more that that engagement is, is able to be monetized and supported in a substantial way that didn't exist before, the better quality things are going to get because creators inherently don't want to water things down. Like I know as an artist or as a creator of something, if I'm like, take lightning store, for example, I put out like six or seven shirts in like a, a month and a half or something. Cause I was just on a roll. But then I looked at it and I'm like, oh, this is starting to kind of suck a little bit. I should, I should pull it back because this is too much. Like, I don't want to put too much out there. I don't want it to feel like I'm like, this is like a cash grab. I don't want to feel like I'll just work with anybody. I need to make sure that what I'm doing is actually maintaining a level of quality that people expect from me, which is a big reason of why that has worked because people get the shirts and like, oh, these are cool. They are, they're, they're not only cool and like kind of funny, but they're also really good quality. Um, so, you know, I just, I just think it's a win-win all around. I think it's going to shift the way stuff is made. I think it's going to shift how, um, there's going to be a huge shift in how people interact with that. And I think it's ultimately going to lead to just a really interesting time. You know, it may not be a full Renaissance or whatever again, but I think it will, especially in a world world of like emerging computer generated art and, and all kinds of stuff. I think that, that there's, that's not going to go anywhere. That stuff's going to be around. That's going to be very good tool for in a lot of use cases for people to use no matter what my opinion is on it or not it's i'm i live in reality you know so i know that it's going to work mm -hmm. well for companies and stuff but i also know that you know like somebody posted the other day upon seeing the first photograph they declared that painting was dead forever you know and it's like well mm -hmm. that couldn't be further from the truth now however many uh decades and hundreds of years later um so you know i think it's I'm, I'm, I generally tend to think that like, as things become more watered down, as things become easier to maintain, you instinctually kind of long for the other thing, because once you have everything, you kind of have nothing. Once you're, once you have a full library enabled, you have Netflix and 10,000 streaming services and every single TV show and at your disposal, every single song ever made in the history of time is like there for you. What do you end up doing listening to the same playlist because it's just too much it's too overwhelming or you or you see the uh you know vinyl sales going through the roof over the last 
12 to 14 years because people want something tangible that they can look at and feel and see. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, I, I don't think any of that stuff matters. I think the more that these things, the more that these things kind of get watered down and watered down and watered down, it, it inherently only makes the, the real stuff stronger because it, because people feel a deeper connection to that because they just, we're, we're real, we're real people. I mean, mm -hmm. well, we live in a simulation, so we're not totally real, but, uh, we're real people. So we want real things, you know, we don't, once everything becomes too, too available, then it just isn't, it's not fun anymore. Totally. I, um, for my 25th birthday or 26th, I actually got a, um, few Blink-182, um, vinyl, um, well, it, it's more like a vinyl collection entirely, actually. Yeah. And, uh, my friend who gave it to me was sort of like, well, I, I technically I could have just sent you like Spotify premium for 10 years. And I go like, are you crazy? I usually listen to the same songs anyway, if I write. Yeah. So now instead of, you know, like opening up Spotify and shit, I can put that on. I can even pour a glass of um, good beer and stuff and, and, and enjoy the moment. Right. So and I think these little things, the more we can bring them into the better. Um, speaking of bringing things into it and um, fitting them into different perspectives, we usually end our show, Sam, on a little challenge for our guests. It's not too complicated. Uh -oh. We want to prove that the saying, all roads lead back to Bitcoin, actually um, is true. And we ask uh, you now, in this case, to come up with a... It can be a story, it can be a bridge, or just a thinking pattern from your end to bridge that word back to Bitcoin. And for you, we thought about the word royal, obviously with your hat today. Uh, we thought like, okay, let's be a bit creative. <laughs> so how does the word royal or the royal brand in your head fit back to Bitcoin? Oh man, this is like, <laughs> see, what did I say about being creative on, on Q? Doesn't, doesn't work. We can test doesn't it work now. For me. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to show you how it doesn't work right now. <laughs> Fumbling right. over it. Uh, royal. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, this is. Okay, so I, just, I mean, I guess I'll just probably the way this works is I just say the first thing that comes to mind. There is no wrong answer here, right? So, Absolutely. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about, especially thinking, you know, it, it, this, this thought keeps coming to mind every time there's something crazy that's happening in the world. Um, you think about why ultimately why these things are happening. So, you know, obviously this week there's some incredibly crazy stuff going on um, in Israel and Palestine, and I was re realizing my wife was like asking me some stuff about it. And I, I know, I know enough, you know, like I definitely know enough, but I was like, I don't, but this is like, so crazy. Like this, this is one of these things that goes back like thousands of years, you know? Um, so I was going back and doing some, some, uh, brush up on my history and, and I, I mentioned before we started, I was just in London and there was lots of, um, you know, lots of monarchy things happening there. Um, and really just like the idea of, of, uh, where things go wrong typically lead back to governments. Um, I'm going to connect it with the royalties. Um, there's, you know, ultimately, ultimately I always ask people like, what's, what's the problem? Like, what, where, where does this lead to? And it's like, it's, to, it's always money. Like it always seems to be money. I mean, it could be, it could be religion. It could be power, but even those things tend to still, when you like really 
peel off all the layers kind of is money. Like money is power, power is money. It's sort of all interchangeable. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, I feel there's this idea, another big ask, you know, that like, how does, how do things that are systematically have been like just being, um, hammered into existence over the course of, of thousands of years now, um, how have those things ultimately led us to where we are today and how do we change that? And typically in history, it's like a violent transaction that has to occur, especially if you look at Israel and Palestine right now and you look at that history, you see that had like the Wikipedia page there was, you know, had a lot of um, different different empires and rulers and how things changed over the years. And it was everybody had these different ideas and a lot of that was um but ultimately a lot of those things came down to power and that's, that's what we see in our country. That's what we see in your country. Um, and how does that change without, um, violence? And I guess maybe that's where it comes. That's, that's my hope is that Bitcoin, um, can be a peaceful transition of power. You know, if it's ultimately, if I'm going back and tying it to my punk rock ethics and community and stuff, you know, it's like everybody, there should be equity among all people, you know, and people shouldn't be starved out by, by governments and, and people, uh, with a, uh, disproportionate balance of, of power. Um, so that's what I'm hoping to see. I'm hoping to see a better, a better world, um, that we can all live in. Um, I'm hoping to see, um, you know, I think we still need organization. We still need governments. We still need systems and processes and all these things, but I'm hoping to see Bitcoin and these ideas bring a, a more fair and equitable, um, and more balanced version of that in the future. And, uh, I don't know. Did that have anything to do with Royal? <laughs> That's a, no, it did. And it's a beautiful vision. And, uh, it's one that I share, uh, one of hope, one of, um, power to the people, a uh, an, an opportunity for us to really rethink how we organize ourselves um on a more true solid system so um yeah perfect answer mate thank you very much and thank you for joining us here at rabbit hole stories and sharing us sharing with us your bitcoin journey and um it's been fascinating i'm um, i'm gonna buy one of your t-shirts because joel's got the mutiny one actually you've got two haven't you joel you've got the mutiny one <laughs> mate i've got i've got nostrasia in white nostrasia. I've got it in in yellow i've got uh, um, i've got about five or six i've, I've got spend a bit too much on the lightning store but it's all good it's all nice it. well hey thanks yeah and most of that stuff is just going back to those companies or that's that's what i've been doing a lot lately like the the pleb chain I'll give a quick mm -hmm. shout out to the pleb chain radio. Absolutely, yeah. That shirt just went up yesterday, a new version of that. Um, and that's, a, that's another really cool show. That's kind of, you know, trying to intersect, but bring ideas together with Bitcoin and Noster and that kind of stuff. Um, and all the funds from that are going to back into that show, which he's then using to, um, pay people who are listening through fountain. So it's a cool thing. It's like mm. this really, he, he's calling it the pleb wheel but it's basically just this circular exchange. You know, it's like money's coming in through lightning store. I give it all to them. They give it back to the listeners and then the listeners buy a shirt. And so it, it ends up sort of mm. refunding them for their purchase ultimately over time. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's cool. I I gotta say, I love the, I love the community aspect of all this stuff and I'm hoping to see that grow even further. And Sam, where can people find you on socials? 
Uh, just Lightning Store and Wave Lake. So everywhere for Wave Lake is just at Wave Lake. Um, we're on you know Instagram and Twitter, barely, but Instagram or X or whatever it's called now. And uh, and Noster, look up Wave Lake. Um, for the Lightning Store stuff, it's just LTNG, kind of short for Lightning Lightning Store, um, on Twitter and Instagram and Noster. Brilliant. And if any of you missed that, just uh, check out the show notes. All the information is there for you. Sam, thank you once again. Thank you. And you're a friend of the show and you're welcome back anytime. Thanks. This and was we can fun. go down a deeper rabbit hole next time if you want to. So thanks again and enjoy the rest of your day over in New York, pal. All righty.